0: everybody and welcome to episode 25 of the World Hoppers Podcast. I am Cheyenne and I am here with my co-hosts Alfonsina and Alana. Hola, hello there. Alfonsina here. Hi, this is Alana. And we're finally um, talking about the first of Brandon's secret projects. And depending on how long this recording ends up being, the first half of this will likely be non-spoiler for Cosmere content. And then we'll transition to full Cosmere spoilers, including Lost Metal, though we won't talk about the future secret projects. And that will probably end up being its own episode, as they tend to be, just because the recordings go so long.
1: Yeah, hopefully it won't be too long today, but we'll
0: see. Mm,
2: Yeah, We'll see.
0: Yeah, I don't know um, where you wanted to start. Characters, probably, since it's where we usually go. But I know you have a lot of style comments with this one, so I don't know if you want to start there.
1: Yeah, I'd say let's just, just kind of discuss how we felt about the book overall, and then we can go further into characters. Mm-hmm. I know that we've got kind of differing opinions, or at least as far as I know, Alfonsina's opinions and mine differ from like the majority of everyone else's. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll give you some time to like expand on that if you want, Alf.
2: Right. So the style. Um, this was weird, you know, as as we all know, this book was narrated by our dear Hoy, and at the beginning i was very excited by that i think we all were but mm-hmm. um, this was a case uh, i think this was similar to when you have something you like to eat like so much that you wish you could eat it every day every meal and once you eat it like three times in a row you're like i can't i can't have more of this it's been enough mm-hmm. and hoid's a sense of humor it's amazing in small doses at least to me uh, through the Cosmere books but in here all the time it was kind of exhausting and I felt very bad because I was like oh no I am like feeling bummed by the thing that I was expecting to feel most excited about this this is so sad but I don't know I, I it it's, it was something different from what we were used to from Brandon.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with the Hoyd comment. I think too much Hoyd is not great. And it kind of reminded me of the conversation that we had with Rob about Wayne and how he really likes getting like the perspective from inside Wayne's head, but he doesn't like having to deal with Wayne inside other people's heads. And I'm kind of the reverse with Hoyd, where I'm like, I love to see other people interact with Hoyd and get their, like, opinions on him and see what he's doing from their perspectives. I don't really like being in his head that much. Um I think part of it is, like, the curse and the fact that yeah. Brandon was trying to make him so, like, over-the-top ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But it just, it got really annoying after a while. And there's certain things where, like, he made really off-topic comments about like the clothes he was constantly talking about like socks and sandals and i'm like i feel like that is such like like that's a 10 years ago like <laughs> fashion world, yeah. faux pas no one really cares uh, about socks and sandals anymore so like the major focus on it just felt weird but they were like really unnecessary comments about people's appearances and like their bodies that i didn't love um like he was just constantly commenting on like well that guy looks like a bowling pin because he's bald and the duke is too fat to fit into clothing and i'm like i didn't need that like you can describe people's bodies without being like really mean about it so i just i found i find hoid to be very judgmental and while that's fun when he is like playing a role getting it in large doses gets a bit frustrating
0: yeah, I will say that a huge part of exactly that is part is the curse because the curse makes him a lot more irreverent than he usually is. Because I mean, he he explains it later. And he's like he lost his sense of taste, right? And so he doesn't distinct. And it's not just taste of like actual like taste, but like the way he expresses things and I mean, people and like the socks with sandals, for example. It's like well.
2: I think he lost the actual taste
0: because he spent a lot of time leaking weird stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a problem. He's licking weird stuff because he can't taste it, so he like, doesn't care. Um, I feel
1: like that the, the curse was an excuse for him to do weird things. Like, Hoyt just needed yeah. a break to do weird stuff, and he was like, I'll get cursed, it'll be fine. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. I, I have to say that even if that was annoying, the fan arts that are walking around the internet, um, of him with the, with the weird clothing, they are amazing. It doesn't yeah. make any
0: sense. It, I mean, I imagine you saw the illustration at the end. Yeah. Yes. And with some marijuana flowers and the Hawaiian shirt. I, I was just about to comment
1: flowers. on that. It was oh. so good. Yeah. yeah my fine. issue is that a lot of like the comments he made of like, It's Hoyd the narrator that's doing things I find annoying, not Hoyd in the moment as he's cursed. Because, like, this is Hoyd looking back and telling the story. And so I have frustrations with Hoyd the narrator, who is fully in his right mind. And I just, I've come to the conclusion that while I find Hoyd to be a fascinating character, I don't love him as a person. And that's fine, I don't have to but being inside his head for like a 300 page book and having him be like oh well readers people are sometimes very stupid and i'm like okay and and he's like well don't ask stupid people questions i'm like I- okay so I just, there's a few things where i'm like it works really well for some of his other roles that he plays um throughout the cause here but mm-hmm. i d- and I appreciate it from that outside perspective. I'm just not loving the insider perspective, which is fine. I don't mm-hmm. have to. Yeah, it's fine. It's still a good book overall. I did enjoy it. It just wasn't like a five star read for me where I'm like, oh, my God, this is like my new favorite Brandon Sanderson book. It's just it was an OK book. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that's perfectly valid. I just find it really interesting because for so many people, this was at the top of uh, like Brandon like Cosmere books for them.
2: Um, it has many
0: things. Uh, the change in style. <laughs> yes, Hoyt's humor was really prevalent, but it's kind of different than a normal Brandon humor in some cases. And so a lot of people appreciated that. Um, just a different vibe and different style of narration was another thing people latched onto.
1: Well, you're talking a lot about general people what's your like personal feelings about the book
0: yeah i i really enjoyed this book it's i mean you probably noticed if you're in our server that i raised to it in basically a day um with the break for the first thinking out loud episode since that released on like the same day the book did and i really liked it that but i've i'm also a bit biased because i've always loved the the aether's magic system and so i was very excited for that Hmm. i mean after reading aether of night and all that we'll we'll get into that part later Mm, so the discovery of the world i really really enjoyed but i also really like trust as a character she's really different than a lot of other brandon characters and it was interesting to see brandon experimenting with style and voice and i think it worked better for me than it did for the two of you even if sometimes it's like oh my god hoid (laughs) (laughs) like why but i also was like well it's a curse Mm -hmm.
1: yeah no i i totally agree with you on the fact that like tress is definitely a different character than brandon normally writes and i did appreciate kind of seeing him i feel like step out of his comfort zone Mm -hmm. not to say that i i feel weird saying that because i feel like brandon sanderson's normal writing is outside of many authors comfort zones just he does ridiculous things as his Mm -hmm. regular yeah the fact that he's like how about i write a like regular length novel that has a somewhat contained storyline and like Mm -hmm. resolves pretty well at the end like that is unusual for brandon but is like the norm for all other authors so it was definitely interesting being like, oh, so this is Brandon's take on, like, a regular novel. <laughs> like, I know he's written other universes and stuff, but it was, it was definitely different to see. And mm-hmm. I did appreciate that.
2: I want to know why you think that Tress is a different character in comparison to the others that Brandon writes.
1: I, um, okay. I liked her because I felt like I could really relate to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't have the issues that i have about certain other female characters in the cosmere and that's probably because we only get one book with her so i am not having time to get frustrated with like repetitive plot lines or anything and she felt very human and down to earth and kind of like brandon examining like the base things of like what makes us human and like exploring and like broadening your horizons which is such a like kitschy phrase but like literally learning more about the world and making you like fall in love with it and it's Mm -hmm. such a simple concept and like that's literally like the embodiment of tress in this novel is just like her being forced out of her comfort zone and learning new things about herself and discovering these things i'm always a sucker for that plot line but i feel like he put a lot of care into this novel into not falling into like certain tropes and stuff and so i have issues with female characters in misborn because there aren't many of them um i'll be honest mm-hmm. i have issues with female characters in stormlight because they have repetitive plot lines and i didn't have either of those issues here
0: <laughs> right um on the repetitive plot lines point i think that like part of it is that so many of brandon's female characters well, with the exception of it, they aren't like the typical like badass female character that got so popular with YA, but they still generally like they are strong women, but they generally follow the same like type of like scholarly and interested in like politics. And so they're like similar to each other in so many ways. I mean, you have Jalan, you have. Serini, you have Yasna, navani and they all them, like they mm-hmm. have their differences but they're still like the same type of character and tress is completely different from all of them yeah and I think still she's yeah. not been
2: tress is not been yeah and she's that. still
0: a strong female character it's just a different kind of strong female character and so i think mm. that particularly early in his career brandon was trying to avoid the badass female character trope and he ended up with female characters that all were similar to each other without trying more variety Mm -hmm. and since those series are so long he kind of got like locked into those like character archetypes and so this was his opportunity to try something different. and And he did and mm -hmm. And he did it well
1: yeah Yeah. um there was one point towards the end i don't want to like give much away about like the other characters in the cosmere but she has a line talking about like well i couldn't be a scholar like i i'm just a woman who knows nothing about this and i was like oh okay we have now reached the point in which we have reached like Brandon's scholarly female characters that are like overcoming imposter syndrome and figuring out like self-confidence and self-esteem and so i felt towards the end we did get a little bit more of that like regular archetype which i mean i love Mm -hmm. like the person who exemplifies that most is like one of my favorite characters in the Cosmere, so i can't complain um but i will say i felt like she was she started off different and then kind of towards the end started making her way a bit more towards Brandon's standard female archetype. Yeah. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. No. His standard female character is freaking amazing. Like, I love them.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, and we're not saying that they're bad, it's just that it's like refreshing to get something different and in variety you get good things. Because like I was saying earlier, too much of a good thing can sometimes be too much Yep, you know Mm -hmm. and so the variety was really nice i think a lot of that comes from brandon just getting back to the basics of stories with the whole fairy tale concept and his inspirations for this like princess bride and all the other things he listed in the author's note at the end or was it at the beginning i don't know where they put it Finally here.
1: Um, okay, it was definitely at the end because I finished reading it this morning and I stopped whenever it said the end. And I was like, oh, I wonder what his inspirations for this are. And if I had literally just turned the page, I mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. would have found okay. out.
0: <laughs> yeah, Because I think it's almost the same text as it was in the previews uh, way back last year. My God, it's been so long. Um, and, and it's pretty similar. I remember so. Guys, I didn't know That's what the Princess Bride in. was. I didn't
2: no. know it. And I was like, what's this thing that everyone's talking about? Why you... You've never seen The Princess Bride? No. And apparently, it's oh my
0: it's also so a
2: book. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, the book is very different. Um, <laughs> do not read the book expecting it to be like a movie. Oh, we need to okay. do like a podcast movie night, yes. though. Like, that is yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. literally probably like what was my favorite movie is still in my top three uh, it is amazing what is
2: wrong what is wrong with me why no, i haven't that wrong with you. no it's... everyone has different
1: like exposure mm. to media mm-hmm.
2: i just i've oh never my. met
1: someone that hasn't seen the princess Bride, so now i'm like oh great we get to like experience this together
2: do i have i been spoiled no no. Oh. no you're fine. With Triss, I mean. No. No, no. It's,
1: no, no. It's clear that he takes inspiration from it at times, but he definitely does not follow the plot line or include okay. any of the characters. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I watched it once when I was like 10, and I remember really enjoying it, but I don't have like every single reference the clearest, and so I am looking forward to watching it with you guys because that's going to be fun. Yay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking through and I'm seeing... um. I, I'm now seeing the reference to good omens as well, um, mm. which now that I think about it, I can definitely pick up on. So, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, do we want to go further into the fairy tale discussion before yeah, we like, discuss the dang. rest of Tress?
0: I mean, we're there. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was definitely interesting. I was kind of, whenever I first picked it up, like January 1st, 12 a.m. was very much like, oh, so we're doing the subverted fairy tale trope. Like, instead of damsel in distress, we've got the male love interest in distress, and she's going to like figure out a way and be like not a prince in shining armor or knight in shining armor, but like scullery maid with wild hair. And I felt like at times mm, he went back and forth between like subverting tropes and playing into them, which I Mm -hmm. think made a good combination. Yeah. He didn't like stick too much to one thing. There were a few things that was very much like, oh, this is like classic fairy tale and other things where it's like, oh, okay, that's mm-hmm. a new take. And so I think the combo worked well. It was just my expectations of him sticking to one side that kind of worked against okay.
0: me. I I really think that it's an interesting subversion because it's not just the straight subversion of, oh well, let's just mm-hmm. switch the gender roles and that's it. And like follow the exact same plot beats, it goes in new directions as well, like you were saying. And so I I think it works because if they just switch the genders, then it doesn't accomplish what Brandon wanted to accomplish, um, in terms of having a different character and the world. And it's more the fairy tale vibes. It's more like about the tone and the vibes, like it's literally in the notes and the feeling of the story, rather than the actual story being. Uh, like straight up fairy tale yeah and i think that
1: having an outside narrator kind of adds to that because Mm -hmm. you get that kind of like movie storybook feel where it's like Mm -hmm. okay sit down children we'll be reading this book today Mm -hmm. um kind of like in the princess bride and so i think that was an interesting choice to have made to like really lean into that with the tone and like the narrator I might not have loved how it turned out, but I, I really enjoyed that Brandon kind of took that leap and went, yeah, let's like have Hoyd narrate this thing. like Let's yeah. really get to know him a bit better. Mm-hmm.
0: And I do think it's important that Brandon starts figuring out Hoyd's voice for longer works, because he's going to need it when he gets to Dragonsteel, particularly with as much hype as that series has already. And we're still decades off from reading it. Because that's gonna be first person in Hoyt's voice, so we need Brandon needs to find something that sticks. We experimented uh, a couple of times in the secret projects with Hoyt's voice. There's another one that's Hoyt narrated, but the voice is different than this. It doesn't have that like fairy tale style, and Hoyt is, it doesn't have like the hampering. it's a curse, and so it's a bit more traditional. It's strange, and we only have the previews to go off of, but. Like hmm. The more experimentation, the more randomly like, okay, this is gonna work, this isn't gonna work. And get a feel for how it's eventually going to be. I mean, I figure that
2: Dragonsteel, that, sorry, that Hoyt's voice in Dragonsteel has to be much more grim and, I don't know, serious, because he's probably mm-hmm. gonna have to go through some serious stuff, such as whatever <laughs> ended up with the shattering of Alessio and it's going to be big scope of things so he should not be he's probably going to be being a little jerky and he's probably going to be joking around a little bit but still I mean I I figure that the the shattering requests at least some I don't know philosophical discussions some conflicts between characters some Tough decisions, um, mysteries, I don't know. I I agree. It's it's gonna have to be very different, but Yeah. It it was good for this mm -hmm. what he did here.
0: And Brandon has a couple of decades to figure it out. There's time. Yeah, fortunately is exactly what he needs. Why does he do everything
2: so well? (laughs) Why? Why? Jeez, I wish I had his Organizations skills, come on.
1: I mean, you have to remember he also has an entire company built yeah. around helping him. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he just writes stuff, and everyone else does the organizing, like as he is in his writer's headspace. Makes sense. But I think also with the Dragonsteel, um, like voice, I doubt that we will have Dragonsteel be narrated in the same way, and so we will likely be getting things from Hoid's perspective or point of view as opposed to hoid later relating what happened mm-hmm. where he gets a little bit more artistic license to kind of change things and be like well clearly i knew what i was doing even if i was cursed mm. like we i think we'll get to see a little bit more of the real hoid instead of this kind of yeah jestery type mask that he puts on where he's like oh i'm just here to like make funny jokes and like make you laugh and maybe this story has a meaning and maybe it doesn't Mm -hmm. and so i think we'll get a little bit more of like the raw and like real Hoyd that he's hiding behind that mask yeah Mm -hmm. and i
0: don't think we've gotten that so far no uh, because in every single like instance where we've seen Hoyd more than just a passing mention of him i mean he's presented differently like sure he has this kind of irreverence and like, humor, so Hoid-like. But I don't think we've seen behind that mask yet, and it's going to be really interesting. No, we don't know his
2: motivations, his backstory, yeah. his family, his, I don't know, uh, bonds to people. We just see him as this weird entity that hops around mm-hmm. places and is kind of a troll. Or fun. Yeah. But that sounds like a coping, like a cosmological cause coping mm-hmm. mechanism. Yeah. Especially because he we we have we have a lot of evidence that he is deeply worried about the status mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh quo that the Cosmere is on, at least during the first three books of Stormlight Archive. Sorry, I just start, started talking about the Cosmere, but it's Hoyd. I mean, it's it's hard not to talk about the Cosmere one. when you're discussing Hoyd. Like he yeah. is the Cosmere at this point. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. my point is, he does have uh, worries, and they are big ones, and he's moved by those worries. Basically, that's all he. All we know about his motivations. That yeah, he's I think-
1: the closest we come to ever seeing like the real true hoid is in certain scenes in later stormlight later for what we have now um but even then that's questionable
0: yeah and we get a few hints of his past in this book but it's still not the real hoid i don't know it's just it's a puzzle and we still don't have all the pieces yeah
1: i was reading this last night and like half delirious and he just goes on this whole rant about memories and I'm like Mm -hmm. what because I was like trying so hard to stick to the storyline and just get through it because I'm like oh we're recording tomorrow morning and then he's like oh memories are kind of like this way that you like tell your life like a bard and I'm like what are you talking about man (laughs) but but looking back I'm like oh that's interesting because we know that Hoy does Mm -hmm. something with his memories to, like, hold on to them, to store them, to make them last longer, to be immortal and not go absolutely crazy. Insane. Yeah. Like, literally, clinically insane. So it was interesting to get little nods to that, and he, mm-hmm. he made a few comments that was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna note that down for the, like, void mm-hmm. puzzle pieces that we're slowly starting to put together.
0: Yeah. And it gets interesting because so much time has passed since Stormlight until here. Because all the secret projects, well, except the non-Cosmere one, but all the secret projects are far future Cosmere, like six of the Dusk ish time at the very least. Oh, so a lot has happened since then, and there are pieces that we need to fill up. Yeah, that will be
1: interesting to get to when we start discussing the Cosmere spoilers Mm -hmm. and like more mentioned here, but. Yeah, okay, so going back to Tress, we've kind of discussed how she subverts tropes. You wanted to talk about her
0: parents? Yes, I really think. Okay, A, for once we actually get good parents in the Cosmere. (laughs) And. Yes. I don't don't know if they name her mother, probably. Um, Oh, no. But a good Cosmere dad, that's a miracle! Yeah. Oh, my God. Kyle will be
2: so happy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> this has healed
1: the hurt of so many Cosmere characters. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I-, I love the scene with her dad going to the mm-hmm. bar and just like calling in all the favors and just being like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, this this is small town life. Like you, every so often you're like, hey, Johnny, remember the thing I did for you back in like 1998? <laughs> Time to pay up.
0: <laughs> like, I love it. And he's so surprised both of them are so supportive of what she wants to do and they encourage her while also like telling her like okay these are the risks so they're not encouraging to be like just reckless just because and give her all the freedom to do everything like happens in like a million YA books but they're Mm -hmm. also not absent like also happens in a million YA books (laughs)
2: They respect Uh, her mm -hmm. as the person that she is, that is not a full-grown adult, but is not a stupid child or a stupid teenager. She's like, and when I say stupid, I mean like immature and reckless and Mm -hmm. and, uh, impulsive. Mm -hmm. They like trust her that's so valuable that's so mm-hmm. basic but so important parents that trust their children to go out and make mistakes because they can handle the consequences mm-hmm. it sounds like something basic but it's also such a big deal in my opinion it's a never
1: in the media yeah and i love the like when she tells them her plan mm-hmm. like you get that moment of like panic Of like oh my god no no you can't do that that's 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 nuts like absolutely not and then it takes him a second to be like wait hold on this is our daughter not only did we raise her to know like the right things Mm -hmm. but also she's more reasonable than the two of us put together so like who are we to tell her no like that whole (laughs) conversation between her parents Mm -hmm. really just won me over for that whole family because I'm like, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, like they didn't just be like, yeah, sure, go gallivant off to the sorceress and like get yourself killed. But they also didn't like ban her and was like, you have to stay home. Like they talked it over as a family. They mm-hmm. had good communication yes! skills, which the Cosmere seriously is lacking in. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Come It's not as she... bad as Wheel of Time though. Oh God. The
1: uh, yeah. Wheel um... of
2: Miscommunication in Time. Mm-hmm. That should be the name of the thing.
1: <laughs> yep. So yeah, I just, I really did appreciate her parents. They were, they were wonderful. And I was so happy that she went back for them at the end. Um, Yay. That was so sweet.
2: Oh, besides, um, if I remember right, she took them. She She's now the, the owner mm-hmm. and the captain of the ship. And she took them to live with her, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like the dream too. I mean, in my case, my dream is to buy my parents a ship and pay them for someone who can, like, drive the ship because they don't know how to drive a, a <laughs> no, boat, a, a big boat. <laughs> and just let them be happy around the seas and have a perpetual v- vacation, right? And yeah. she did, and she's the actual person that runs the ship, so that's so cute and amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and, like, she got her little brother off the island.
1: Yeah. And,
2: oh, I,
1: I found it very... Uh, Healing compared to someone with a similar family setup, um, elsewhere in the Stormlight Archive. Um, mm. So uh. I was like, "Oh, good family with like good communication skills and a cute little brother with an older sibling. Um, adorable." Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So kind of going to the possible representation of autism. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I know I pointed this out because we were discussing. Um, my Disability in the Cosmere essay, which I know I said would be posted by the end of like 2022. But then we get Tress, which has quite a bit of disability representation, so I had to like start a whole new section. And so I'm not sure if Brandon has officially said that Tress
0: is autistic. Not as far as I'm aware, but there also hasn't been any spoiler stream. Because okay. the stream that there was going to be that was iffy on spoilers it's like okay we're gonna talk with howard and with isaac but also technically not a spoiler stream it's confusing brendan got covid and they canceled oh. that or someone in his family did and they canceled that and so we haven't had any stream any thing beyond what's like you released about like the magic with um what's his name mark the youtuber oh okay. about the fluidization and this is Soon to come, the book club, but that hasn't happened as of the time of recording, so we don't know. Yeah, and so it's think... neither been confirmed nor denied mm-hmm. whether yeah. Tress is
1: autistic. But I, I've got a quote here that I have been kind of showing people as like, this is what I like really stood out to me. as like, okay, so this girl's autistic, um, mm-hmm. or at least on the spectrum, um because it says press was generally more thoughtful than most people and she didn't like to impose by asking for what she wanted she'd remain quiet when the other girls were laughing or telling jokes about her after all they were having so much fun it would be impolite to spoil that and presumptuous of her to request that they stop sometimes the more boisterous youth talked of seeking adventure in foreign oceans Tress found that notion frightening and earlier on she'd been talking about how um she wasn't like other girls but all girls said that they weren't like other girls and they all seemed Mm -hmm. to be doing the same thing all together and they were very good at being like (laughs) other girls or they were very good at not being like other girls together um which was an interesting commentary from brandon um or yeah i guess (laughs) well the genre (laughs) yeah um but like as someone who has definitely grown up with quite a few um, autistic women in my life, um, I would say this really represents a lot of what I've seen um, and as someone who is possibly on the spectrum and is kind of in that weird spot um, where a lot of girls are not diagnosed because they latch on to socially acceptable rules and like behaviors for women. Um, and so like, for me and a lot of my friends, um, or some of my friends, I shouldn't say a lot, but some people that I grew up with, we kind of learned the social rules and use that as like your barriers. And so we've talked about this previously in Missborn Era 2 mm-hmm. with Steris, who is confirmed to be autistic, um, and where like knowing the social rules and boundaries and like knowing okay, well, this is an imposition or this is not. And like kind of using that terminology just in daily life to figure out what you need to be doing in that moment to make everyone else comfortable really stood out to me with Tress. And the fact that she continues to apply these rules while like on the ocean and everyone else is like, this is ridiculous. You're not an imposition. Like we are literally pirates. What are you talking about? And she's still (laughs) like playing by like her society's rules. Mm -hmm. I say that in air quotes, but like her experience with like people and so she's very much sticking in these rigid rules and she's learning that like she doesn't have to and she's learning different ways to express herself um i also see like the cups and the spores as kind of being like hyper fixations um where that's like her special interest that she really loves um and kind of shifting between the two but i'd love to hear from other people um if you want to like come into our discord and chat i would love that like, what did you think about Tress? Did you think she's autistic? Do you think she's just like an interesting person? Either way, um, like I'm totally fine with. I just wanted to point this out as possible autism rep, because as we've discussed with Starris before, like we don't get a lot of rep for autistic girls in mm. fiction anywhere, really. So it's great to see Brandon making the effort in this form mm-hmm. and possibly making the effort here too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hadn't considered this, but you brought it up and it does make a lot of sense. Um, I already have way too many trust questions to ask, granted, if he ever does that spoiler stream. Yeah. But I would really enjoy it if someone did ask, because I think it would be interesting to have it confirmed if it's the case. And if it's not the case, I still would like to know. And you can obviously interpret these things how, how you want. And see, well, like I have this reading of it, and some people have different readings, and that's fine. But I am really curious if this was conscious, if this was another case of unconscious representation that apparently worked really well, if because it's different than there is but it's also similar in some ways. So having that would make for a lot of interesting conversations in terms of comparison and then, well, and late we actually get Renard's book we will have even more of a spectrum to see how Brandon handles it and these are always interesting conversations so I'm curious
1: yeah and I do want to just like reiterate that I am not like diagnosed as autistic and so I do not want to be like speaking Mm -hmm. for the community I'd love if like we could hear from some autistic Cosmere fans that either relate or don't think that um she's a good like representation like Feel free to like hop into our Discord and let us know. I love to chat about stuff like this.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to mm-hmm. say that I didn't realize about this this thing about she potentially being on the spectrum until you mentioned that. And I I also think that sometimes the the matter of the diagnose with these sort of mental issues is a very personal. And dependent thing on the environment you have because if you have a supportive environment and people who just accept you as you are in general um no matter i mean like talking about the way you behave the way the choices you make and everything it's not as important to have like uh or at least this is my point of view i feel like it's not as important to have like uh something declare that that's your condition or what you have or or something that's a part of your life, but if you have to struggle a little bit more, sometimes having these tags is not necessarily a bad thing because you can like understand a little bit better what you're going through. You can look for better, you know, tools or resources to deal with the things. And I don't know. I just want to emphasize that this the spectrum is again. Redundant, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be redundant. Is a spectrum, and it makes sense mm-hmm. to me that Tress probably inhabits that spectrum because of everything that you just said. I'm not sure if I would be able to declare on which end of it it is, or make a more qualified like analysis of the thing. But the fact that 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 she was clearly different i i like this term that you sometimes use Elena. is it neuro neurodivergent yep like mm-hmm. she she clearly thinks in a different way and that's emphasized mm-hmm. by her parents her friends on the crew and also the narrator so it makes sense to consider her as someone that's probably somewhere in those grays or in those bands of color that the spectrum is And that's okay because what I like about this story is that if she ends up being a a case of autistic representation, whether intentional or not intentional, she's someone that can do everything, but in like in a different way and in her own way. And that's important to see. I mean. I, I also think, I also want to say, like, I don't want to talk about a community that I don't belong to necessarily, but I think that it's important to talk about uh, autism, whether you are or not in the spectrum. I think that it's nice to see that someone is being represented as different because of the characteristic they have and that they can still manage to do things in an awesome way and in a successful way by their own rules. So I, I really enjoy that that you brought that discussion to the table about tress and the and the theme and
0: the representation. Yeah um, I did also transition a bit uh mm-hmm. to Charlie slash Hug and I want to ask about like what do you think of his relationship with Tress and how that developed. Because there was a lot of pre-existing relationships and I think that once again it was different from how Brandon tends to do Romance in the Cosmere. Possibly because this was written for emily and possibly just because of the template of like okay fairy tale vibes you know i think it is really adorable but it's an interesting development because most of the time they're together they don't know they are together mm-hmm. and so that affects how we normally talk about like a romantic relationship developing in fiction um, i think it was really interesting and different and i think it worked well for me like those initial scenes to me were I mean they're very cute and adorable and kind of show like the awkwardness people tend to have in their first relationship but also like genuine expression of their feelings which isn't that common a lot of the times and also for once it's not an enraged marriage Oh no, god
1: they chose they were able to choose yeah those first few scenes really made me fall in love with their relationship i just Mm. i was rooting for her the entire time to get charlie
2: so don't you think that sometimes brandon tends to like go back to what he's done before and do Mm -hmm. it again but better because for example we have seen the being together thing but not knowing that we are together in elantris oh true in a different way yeah, mm-hmm. and the thing with the girl going to rescue the boy and the boy being there like, "Oh, you are so awesome," and you should not be caring about me because I am a piece of crap. Um, come on, Ellen, I'm being, mm-hmm. He gets better every time, and this is a very, a very lovely picture of the of the things <laughs> that clearly love me from for Brandon because she went beyond her limits beyond her literal geographical limits to fight for this love and she grew so much even if she was already someone that was very mature and independent she was not necessarily a child uh, or a childish teenager before she left the the rock she was already kind of a well-grown-up teenager and she grew even more because of this love that she had and this relationship if I, I want to ask you uh too if you if you call that thing about Hugh being oh, um, because no I quote. had so many theories I was like oh this clearly means that he is Kaladin turned into a rat because blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I'm checking my notes and I'm like what did I write come on what is this <laughs> like I have um, a note yeah. that says is is the rat Hoyt himself? Like I had a theory like that they had changed minds as if mm-hmm. the rat consciousness was in Hoyt's body leaking weird stuff and wearing weird things and Hoyt's mind was in the rat.
0: But the do- didn't make any sense with the narration thing and all that. Yeah, I definitely didn't call it. Um, my mind immediately went to the cosmic implications of this and how that could relate. Because like, quite edible familiars are common. It's like, wait, what? No, they aren't. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, you kind of have something misborn, and then the AVR, but that doesn't mean common. It's completely different mechanic so I was like <laughs> oh, maybe it has something to do with hoyt's curse and they had all these things and so my mind was so focused on the cosmere implications of this that i didn't even think that it could like be charlie
1: yeah
0: whereas i heard the um
1: quote or read that quote and was like oh he's just being like yeah in your world like our current world you hear about animal familiars in the same way you hear about dragons type thing And so I was like, oh, maybe that's what he meant. I genuinely thought that they would get to the end and this would be like a huge subversion where it's like, actually, Charlie's been dead the entire time. Sucks for you. We're going to sink your (laughs) ship and you're all going to die. Like, I was like, how how else can Brandon subvert this? And so I really was like, this is going to end in like mass murder. Um, So when she was like walking away, I'm like, no, no, it's not him. And so she ran back up. I'm like charlie's dead honey like i it's been a while like i it took you a while to get there i don't know why you think he's still alive so the whole reveal was very like wholesome and like oh oh thank god um it's not going to turn into like
2: you you a woman
1: (laughs) i was just like i how else can brandon subvert this and i was like he's gonna like not give them a happily ever after that's like the thing is he's gonna start a fairy tale and then end it with like yeah and then everyone died and it sucked <laughs> the end <laughs> like i was just like he's stepping out of his comfort zone so like what's he gonna do um genuinely unpredictable <laughs> but i i liked charlie slash huck for most of the book i really like charlie as charlie i didn't mm-hmm. like huck so much and i wanted to talk about like the first line that he like one of the first lines he says to her which, he's like, what are you doing out here? And she's, like, explaining the whole thing about Charlie. And he goes, Hun, no man is worth getting killed over. If you manage to escape, you should head on home to your rock. And I'm like, that was such a weird, like, sassy, like, oh, honey, don't you know? Like... <sighs> and I was like, this is such a weird thing, because he's never like this again throughout the entire book. <laughs> yeah. It was just so
0: out of character. Do we wanna go on to Fort, our favorite quartermaster? Yeah. I love Fort. He was one of my favorite characters.
2: Oh, why is why is every character so wholesome in this book? Uh, yeah. Except the <laughs> to scream! Yeah, but we we knew her from somewhere else. I I got to yeah. We'll
0: I... we'll 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 definitely get to that. Um,
2: oh, right. I just wanted to check because I was like, oh, ah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Because the name sounded familiar, and then, I, well, I was like live blogging all mm-hmm. my reactions on a special like thread in uh, staff chat on the seventeenth shard, just because I know people there have already read the book, and so I can do it there the moment I read, it and then I just like pass it to a document and share that everywhere else. And I was like, this sounds familiar. And then Putty pointed out that I was like, oh so yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Um but yeah, Fort. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I loved him. Um he reminded me of a mm-hmm. character that I now realize I can't point out, but someone in the Stormlight Archive who is well beloved by fans. Yeah, I think the main thing we have to discuss about Fort was mm-hmm. kind of his uh representation as both a disabled and deaf character. Which I separate the two because for people that aren't super aware or like Mm -hmm. don't know much about the deaf community. Most of the deaf community, I'm not going to say all, but a good majority um, of the deaf community do not identify as disabled because they don't see anything wrong with being deaf. And there isn't Mm -hmm. anything wrong with being deaf. It is society that is built to be inaccessible for deaf people. So by not identifying as disabled, they're saying, there's nothing physically wrong with me. You guys just choose not to communicate in a way that is accessible to us. And so the burden is on society, not the deaf community Um, to change. mm -hmm. So, yeah, just a quick overview of that. I go a bit more into that in my essay. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do still put him down as disabled, not because he's deaf, but because of his hands Mm -hmm. that we don't really ever get an explanation for. But at the beginning, Hoyd notes that they look like they've been broken, like all his fingers have been broken, and then um, left to heal without setting or splints. So they're all kind of twisted in different areas.
0: I even yeah, remember that. Which makes, that. well, the ASL equivalent, however it's called. Yeah, the, the, the sign w- language the equivalent. What? Yeah. The, it stands for American Sign Language, um, but yeah, the sign language equivalent hard for him because... Well, oh. he doesn't have as much mobility in his hands that you oh, for that. Oh, I didn't know
2: that. Bother. That's so sad.
0: So. Yeah,
1: which can be a real issue. Like, um, deafness does coexist with a lot of disabilities. Um, if you want to learn more, I definitely recommend checking out Jessica Calgren who is a deaf and disabled YouTuber and mm-hmm. is absolutely wonderful talking about, like, the accessibility issues in both mm-hmm. communities. But, yeah, I wanted to know what do you guys think of the explanation around his board? because maybe this is me going into it a reading this at two a m for the most part, um, and being a little bit annoyed with Floyd. But I felt like the explanation about the lip reading versus signing was a little bit overdone. But did it feel that way for you guys, or am I just being overly critical?
0: I don't think you're being overly critical. I think it's just you're so much more aware of these issues than most people <laughs> will fine. be. And so for you, all this information is redundant, while for so many people it's like, well, like the explanation of for why things are this way, because most people are like, oh, well, ASLs or lip-reading. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. And so because you're like so much more tuned in, it was far more obvious here, you and you felt it went on a little bit long. But Leaving out the, oh my god, this is, like, oh, awakened tech, yeah, all, all the Cosmere Yeah, all the Which was, I was <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, which was my reaction, like, half this book. It's gonna get even worse with the future secret project. Like, I thought it was really interesting. Because, yeah, you do assume, like, ASL, you do, so many people assume liberating like the thing, I had a bit clearer because of Magnus Chase and how Magnus talks about like if you're talking to Hearthstone, mm. you just need full attention, like talking face to face, because it makes it easier for him, and that's something he appreciates about talking to him because it's not so many like transitive like conversations that don't end up mattering in the long term, like happen with so many people like, in this digital age. So Magnus appreciates that he has to be paying. Like, 100% attention when he's talking to Hearthstone, particularly, even if he's normally signing along with it, if Hearthstone is, like, trying to read what Magnus is saying. And so I had that part a bit clearer, but I do think it's really useful to have this explanation for the people who don't have any experience with this. And I think it's also part of, like, good representation with not just letting people's assumptions govern how they see the character but the character like actually explaining this part of their identity in part to the other characters in world without exposition dumps will help change people's conceptions what
2: is the issue in magnus chase
0: because i haven't read it. <laughs> oh yeah i yeah you haven't gotten into Rick right? and so it's rick's norse series and one of the characters one of the best friends of our our main character magnus Mm -hmm. is deaf and so they talk a lot about like the signs they have for things and and like how that affects the relationship with his family and all that and so it's a constant topic and rick handles it really well in my opinion like rick was a teacher he has experience with Mm -hmm. different types of kids in his class and so i think that it translates Uh really well but yeah Sorry okay. for the lack of context. No, don't worry. Yeah. Don't
2: worry. I just know a, a little about Rick Riordan's literature. And that's it. Like I know Magnus, I immediately knew Magnus was Magnus Chase like a character from mm-hmm. from these yeah. sagas, but that was it. <laughs> yeah. I just want to point out
1: I think it's really cool the way that you are using or you are a good example of how having representation and even just one book series can help you learn so much because you're able to like cross apply that even within other book series. You're like, "Oh, yeah, no lip reading isn't this magical s- fix all for being deaf. Like it is something that actively takes work and can be difficult to do." And so, I think it's just a really good example of why representation matters and especially with like disability representation where a lot of people won't come across people with very specific disabilities in their lives. a good at least for the. US, uh, 20 to 25 percent of people are disabled, but that includes all types of disabilities. And so knowing specific things about different ones, again mm-hmm. not meaning to lump the deaf community in with the disabled community. Not many people are going to run across a deaf person in their everyday life. And so, Having this in media gives you the experience and the knowledge for if you ever do, and that way you don't have to make that person's life harder that day by having to explain these concepts to you for probably like the 20th time for them.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would like to just add that the thing with representation is that most of the times the goal or the or the main objective of these things is to, to make some realities, some different realities, make them visible because society tends to to make something that's like the norm or he- he- hegemonic, uh, tends to make it like what is supposed to be. And part of representation is to get the idea that these different things exist and they are valid and that, They are visible. What I think it's important and well made with this case of representation is that not every tag of disability is the same. Mm -hmm. Like, as we all are different people, every disability is different because every person is different. So uh, Mm -hmm. representation is not about showing only, yeah, some people are not able to listen or some people are not able to talk. It's about showing that some people are like more noticeably different than others and it's just a matter of adapting a little bit in both ends because the person who has the disability has like the obligation socially imposed of adapting and I I agree that society should adapt more. It's, it's something that has to happen in between because we are a community and we are a society and we need to like coexist with each other. So it's nice to have these things made visible in fantasy. Yeah, definitely. That's I... the point of fantasy.
1: Yeah. I don't want to spend too much time because I know we are like already over an hour. But, but it's I important. To... But I appreciated like they didn't spend a ton of time discussing his hands, but every so often they would mention like, yeah, here's how like Ford adapted things to work better and just like as someone who sometimes can't use their hands the way that you're supposed to um like Mm -hmm. there is a lot of creativity that goes into being disabled because you've got to like figure out how to do the same things that everyone else can but sometimes your body's not working and so i appreciated the small moments where they're like oh yeah no he was able to do this because of this thing or he Mm -hmm. was able to adapt this to do something else and it wasn't a huge like, hey, look at Fort; he's doing a human mm. thing. But Ugh. it was just like a quick aside to be like, hey, yeah, like he's making it work; he's going about life. So it just it felt very real. Oh, but yeah, I I'm appreciate the, the that. Fort. I I did really love him as a character.
0: Yeah, he- he's yeah, he was probably one of my favorites. But mm-hmm. there's so many characters in this that are just so awesome and so well done. It's hard to choose um do we have anything else about the rest of the crew i just wanted to make a little quick note about anne and how like her, this it, it's funny humor for once it's with brandon a lot for once but in comparison to a lot of his it's different and just like how to explain this it's in book form what alan on cinema therapy sometimes talks about like with physical comedy mm. and how a certain framing or a certain way of saying things or a certain like for example, in this case, like sentence structure, instead of just like the frame and it pans over and it pans back and it's just comedic. He has an ep- example of that in their up episode. Um, this is like in the sentence structure because they say things like, oh, okay. And then I was like using like, three guns at once. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> and so the way it's constructed makes it funny. And it's like mm-hmm. the situation it's in itself instead of randoms usually like, witty dialogue that can sometimes be funny but doesn't land for everybody
1: yeah i think we've also discussed earlier how not early in the episode but previously um that brandon sometimes has a tendency to over explain his jokes and so Mm -hmm. i think this was a good experiment for him to learn you don't have to like explain everything even when Anne said like i didn't know the cannonballs could bounce he couldn't just left it at that. And he didn't, like, over-explain that. He's like, yeah, I somehow hit my instructor who was standing behind me and then he just moved on. Or, mm-hmm. and just moved on. And so I appreciate that Brandon is not sticking with the joke. to be like, look, joke, this is funny. This is the funny thing. You should be laughing <laughs> here. And he mm-hmm. just kind of drops it in and moves on. And I'm like, yes, you're getting it. You're, like, putting the pieces together, Brandon. We're very happy for you. Um, and so I feel like Humor is one of the few pieces that Brandon has been missing in his novels. um, Yeah. To make even more. Yeah, it is hard. And so I feel like this was a good experiment for him to learn and try out new things with humor.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Anything else about the rest of the crew? Because I think we're going to leave just the rest of the lore for the other person, even if the one that's not Cosmere related. Yeah.
1: I think they were all super lovable. Um, Even like Lagert. I appreciated the whole explanation Mm -hmm. of like he just genuinely thought everyone was terrible so like he didn't know that he was being terrible to people because that's just how people are and I was like oh okay now I know that like I I don't I feel bad Mm -hmm. for this guy now so Mm -hmm. like yeah I I appreciated the crew
2: the importance of of understanding that people come from different places I mean this is something that Mm -hmm. I struggle with sometimes Because in my case, if I may share like a little bit of a personal experience, sometimes Mm -hmm. when I'm Mm -hmm. in my daily basis and someone is kind of, I don't know, whatever, someone does something that I consider impolite to me, I am so furious at them. I don't usually do anything, but sometimes I'm like on the bus and someone like um, hits me and I'm like, how dare they hit me? I hate Mm -hmm. them. They are the worst. (laughs) They should step down of this person, never enter again because they are unfit to go in a bus if they hit me. Or sometimes people, like, I hate when people touches me uh, on the street, like, hey, what time is it? And they, like, bump your shoulder or something. I'm like, why do you have to do this? I hate you for that. Who mm-hmm. gave you permission to touch me? Go away. Uh, never talk to me. <laughs> and it's like, these are silly things and people just... I mean, I consider them, like, horrible because of my personal, I don't know, whatever. And they are not, like, necessarily something that is worth hating someone because of Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, the examples I gave were very silly things. and. Sometimes people come from different places and it's not necessarily that they have bad intentions. And in the end, what I consider important is the intention like, did you bump my shoulder to ask me what time is it because you want to do something Mm -hmm. bad to me because you know that I hate that? Or just because and you don't have any bad intention. I think it's good Mm -hmm. to have reminders like that, that we get so wrapped up in like our
1: own world and our own like experiences and thoughts that we forget that other people come from different places and have different experience and Mm -hmm. experiences and we're taught different things. And so we put our own expectations on them without meeting them where they are and being like, okay, so where are you coming from? Are we kind of speaking the same metaphorical language here? Are we on the same page? Mm -hmm. No, okay, let's figure it out. Like taking the time and with like trust being like, I mean, I guess I can put you in the brig. It's like I I'm not going to kill you dude but like if, I guess we have a brig and you can go there. I love that that's the thing that made him realize like crap she's really not like going to kill me. This wasn't like some big plot um, mm-hmm. and the fact that they mentioned later on that like yeah he's in the brig because he started a fight not because he like did anything wrong and he's still there hanging out and he's helping them rescue Charlie like yeah. he came to like a realization and he's he's getting back together with the crew and I'm very happy for him.
2: Sometimes it's very hard and challenging to because this is a wholesome story and everything ends up uh, relatively in in a cute way. But sometimes, when stuff are more serious and in books that have a, a grimmer tone, is that
0: mm-hmm. properly yeah. said?
2: Grimmer? Okay. If in, in stories that have a grimmer to- tone, um, sometimes these different differences in the culture of different characters or the differences between the way they are because of how they were raised they tend to end up in more conflictive scenarios such as you thinking that this character is evil and this character is not actually evil it's just going through something different and i don't know sometimes this stuff tend to crush and collide a little bit more in real life or in more realistic stories or in darker stories and in here is just a cute reminder yeah right oh uh, no he was kind of um i i don't want to say evil but he was kind of not stonks <laughs> yeah. and he could have been like way worse like he could have actually like wanted to harm somebody like i out of a Desperate and need to escape or something, and he didn't because the story is not like in that t- tone. But those are things that that happen sometimes in other books when characters are like going through things and are desperate.
1: Yeah, because this is—I don't want to say like low stakes because clearly, like we've got a man that's been turned into a rat and like Hoyd who has the entire future of the Cosmere on his back. Mm-hmm. Um, But in this relatively wholesome space, Brandon's Mm -hmm. able to give us this like gentle reminder without it causing a lot of issues. Whereas Mm -hmm. in a lot of other books, I think there's just there's too much going on and people don't have the time or the forethought to sit down and be like, so where are you coming from? Or like even just have this sheer like just general kindness that we Mm -hmm. see Tress like have where she's Mm -hmm. like well obviously I'm not gonna kill you and like she even doesn't want to like take payment for having Crow become like a servant she's like no I just like sold someone into like a lifetime of servitude you can't pay me for that and he's like well and they kind of bargain for that as well Mm -hmm. so it's like it's nice to see like in in these wholesome fairy tales kind of stories that you can slow down and figure this out and as kind of a reminder that when you do reach your kind of like grim, dark point in your life, maybe that's something to keep in mind.
2: Yeah, I agree. Oh, and something else that I wanted to talk about is the thing with the dogs, dukes. How do you, uh, how do you, the dogs? The dogs. Okay. Yes. So when, when Hoy said, okay, the rest of the crew, we're just going to go on ahead and call them the dogs, I was like, okay. But then, I, I think that what happened when one of the dogs died was kind of important to point out because okay, so if Brandon would have said, yeah, this terrible thing happened and no one died because this is a happy story, that would have been weird, it would have been it would have felt forced and it would have felt out of place. So we mm-hmm. had like a a difficult situation, um a controversial one, and people died. Because it was a dangerous situation, and the chances were that at least someone was gonna die. So when this character dies, he's not like an important character in the sense that this character got a proper name. He was just in the huge bag of characters called the dogs. But Hoy took a moment to like talk about this character, talk about how he was. I think there were two characters. I would have to check my my notes.
1: It was I remember the, that the dog that died, and then he had a sister on board. I
2: think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I think that was that was very interesting, and that was important to to see that even if like Hoyt was being kind of a jerk by saying this thing that this the rest of the crew is not as important, we're just going to call them the dogs. He took a time to remember because they were a a person after all, and something terrible happened and they had a story and he wanted to like point out that even if he didn't went through the long um, business of detailing how everyone was in the, in, the, in the crew, which is, I think, a wing-wing to the Wheel of Time in which <laughs> every, character, every crew member would have been named and properly described, he thought them important as well. So it was a nice, uh, it was something nice to do coming from Hoyd as a fictional character. And it was also an interesting strategy because the terrible thing happened. It was dangerous. There were consequences, but they were not minimized by saying, Yeah, it's just one of the dogs, so go on. He made you remember that everyone is someone. And even if they were in the bag of the dogs, they had a story. So that makes the death feel a little bit more. I don't know, tangible.
1: Yeah. Calling them the dugs I don't think is meant to dehumanize them in any way. It's just saying we literally don't have time to get into all this. So that's just the dugs they will be referred to as a group because they are not incredibly important to the story at the moment, but they are still human in this world. And so I did appreciate that kind of pause to recognize the humanity of even background characters. Because, like, yeah, I think we go through life and kind of sometimes forget that other people are human, too. Um, and so taking that time to, like, recognize everyone else's humanity and be like, yeah, maybe we should, like, keep that in mind and not pretend like they're just, like, mindless people that are there to either get in our way or help us on our journey.
2: Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I think also that the the dogs thing was uh, part of the comedy around oh, definitely. The, yeah. the style that Hoyt has because, I mean, come on, it's funny that the dog said something and the dog replied and then the other dog said, hey, stop that and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's part of the funny thing. And I also think it's very realistic that we sometimes, uh, like, take a full awareness of how alive and human we all are when people die because sometimes you get, like, mm-hmm. this message that someone dies and it's not someone close to you in a way that affects you like holy cow crap this person died but it's someone that was someone and was there and is not there anymore and you are like maybe I don't feel this pain so much because I didn't know this person but I can see someone that I care about I don't know crying or being in pain or hurting because of this other person died. and it's like everyone is alive and everyone dies ah <laughs> It's weird. Yeah, but it happens. Definitely. It happens when people die.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, yeah, do you have anything else you want to discuss that isn't like lore related? Um, I was really hoping we'd be able to get through this in one episode, but that was, that was too much yeah. to ask for.
2: Yeah, I, it's incredible that even if this was such a short book, because when I hold it in my hands the other day at the bookstore, I was like, wow. This was really short, and it didn't feel that short for me when I was reading it. But uh, as, as I was seeing the, the the real thing, the real object, the book, is short and it has a lot. But no, I think that most of the most of the things that I have are connected with not necessarily the cosmere, but the planet, the um, weather, the seas. Uh, the science of this uh, movement of the spores and and everything. The ethers. So,
1: yeah, yeah. No, definitely. It was a very interesting world to follow and to kind of get this like pirate fairy tale story.
2: Oh yeah, I love the pirate detail. We, we know what these fans... Yeah.
1: yeah, we will definitely need to watch The Princess Bride because it I is know. both piratey and uh, fairy tale Mm -hmm. so i i'm so excited to get your reactions because i think you'll really love it um it seems right up your alley
2: i'm gonna google just to get like an idea of who are the actors and the actresses and yeah oh it's got
1: it's got so many good people um
2: oh sorry i want to add something to this episode (laughs) that is that I go into Google in my phone to look for the princess bride and check the, uh, the cast and everything. And I have a new with Brandon's face <laughs> on it. And it says, who is Brandon Sanderson? The new Tolkien that no one's there's making a movie about.
1: Oh, I, as a Tolkien fan, I'm not sure how I feel about them calling him the new Tolkien.
2: Wow. Um,
1: but that's something there. to deal with. Unpack later. Um, mm. But okay, so uh, you can also follow us and contact us through all of our social media. Links will be in the show notes. Don't forget, you can join the Discord. That link is available on all of our social medias, I believe. Um, if you enjoy the show, please support us on Ko-fi and Patreon if you can. That way we Yay. can keep improving. Brian. Shout out to our first Elantrian patron, Brian. We Yay. really appreciate your support and it is helping us a lot. If you have enjoyed the show, we would love it if you could give us a five-star review. That really helps us find, like, new people and to grow our audience. So if you can't support us financially, that is absolutely a way to help us grow still. Thank you for listening. And remember, journey before destination. Yay! Bye. Bye!